It's fair to say the Seward House in Auburn, New York is a regional treasure, not just for central New York and the Finger Lakes, but for the entire state. It encapsulates a theme that is best summed up like this. One region, many, many stories. That's how the Seward House sums itself up too. One house, many stories. And my guest today, Jeff Ludwig, made that point during our conversation. He serves as director of education at the museum, which, like most public spaces in New York, had to shut its doors when Governor Cuomo signed an executive order in mid-March. Hello and welcome to Inside the Finger Lakes. I'm Josh Durso, and despite the challenges the Seward House and other museums are facing, the silver lining has been an increased amount of interaction with their digital platforms. We pick up my conversation with Jeff discussing what those final days were like as the state moved from light operation to full government-mandated lockdown. We, we started, I think, making serious plans three weeks ago. My last day at the museum, looking at my calendar... Saturday, March 14th. And uh, anyway, uh, timelines are a bit of, you know, time sort of blurs and blends together. We had one of our staff meetings yesterday and I said, okay, so we'll do our next one Friday. And they're like, oh, that's tomorrow, right? No, tomorrow is Thursday. We're all forgetting time. Anyway, to get back to your question, um, stressful. We were sort of following along with everybody else, sort of day by day permutations of just how bad it was getting. It felt like within 48 hours, we had made plans and were in compliance uh, with the governor's orders for 50%. Mm-hmm. And then the next day that was down to 75%. And then it was work from home. Uh, luckily, we've got, we've got a great team and our facilities manager was able to, with, with very little notice uh swing it for us to be able to all log in remotely to our workstations to have access to the server uh and we've been able to obviously not carry on in the sense that we're not open doors uh, receiving mm-hmm. visitors hosting programs we've canceled our entire spring lineup uh we're looking at summer now and and and, and hopefully but we're not making firm plans for anything so it all happened in, in sort of very rapid succession it just sort of felt surreal you thought you knew what was happening okay we've got a schedule for the next week we We'd, we'd taken a big piece of paper and taped it to the wall and made a schedule. Who needs to be here on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Only half of us can be there. Then only a quarter of us can be there. And then and then nobody. So uh, we kept making plans to break plans. Um, and now we're on our respective corners. And hopefully we'll be able to talk about the ways we've kept busy. And we're still trying to connect with um, with everybody. And I'd love to be able to talk to your listeners about that today. Yeah, I was going to say that that's the obvious next question, because if you are an entity that typically, you know, is functioning out of a physical space and, and you're in sort of the tourism business and, and preserving history business, how do you continue to do those things? Yeah, it's challenging, right? Uh, so before, we also, I, I think sensing how big this was going to get, even if we couldn't quite put our finger on it, before we all uh, went home, uh, we recorded a number of live tours. Uh, we actually did one direct to Facebook Live two weeks ago. We pre-recorded one that we lo- we launched next week. And as I was saying to you, today I'm going to be experimenting with technology, Zoom, Facebook Live, YouTube. Hopefully they can all harmonize, play together. Uh, And we're going to be doing a series of regular live stream lectures with museum staff. We're also in touch with um, friends of the museum, speakers who we unfortunately had to have uh, cancel on us uh, because of of COVID-19 past speakers. So we're hoping to put together 
a sort of virtual Seward House package. Uh, also, I'm the director of education. So before we left, um, we, we, and I say we were a team of two in education, myself and, and Zach Finn, who's the education coordinator, uh, put together some resource kits. Uh, and Zach's done a great job. He's been in touch. And we've been having a daily, or at least a couple times a week, sort of video launches into Auburn Middle School. Uh, we've been connecting with the high school. We put on our website third, fourth, uh, seventh, eighth, and 11th grade kits and videos that uh, any student anywhere can, can sort of plug in. And we've been working with local teachers to encourage them to fold us into their curriculum as teachers, just like we are, are learning how to educate remotely. So we've tried to create resources on demand. Uh, we've been in touch with, with both the BOCES and educators at the, the local and regional levels uh, offering to do whatever we can to help. Uh, and then for our, our visitor, um, since they can't come and see us, uh, these virtual tours that now they're archived. You can go to our Facebook page, like us on Facebook, you can watch the old ones. And then every Thursday, we're going to be doing something new. Uh, and so our first of the lecture series starts today. We're collaborating with the Erie Canal Museum. So their educator is going to come on and do some video for us. And I'm going to go on, uh, do their uh, their coffee quarantine talk. So all the museums are also sort of banding together. We're sharing audiences and, and grateful for people like you, Josh, who have us on so we can talk to your listeners and, and ask them to engage with us in this very different way for these very different times. Is this... And it's always, you know, the governor has made a, a pretty big point over the last few days to say, you know, look for the silver lining. Uh, with that in mind, is this opportunity to start to, you know, this looks like more folks going digital and more folks, you know, emphasizing these different ways to reach people um, through computers, smartphones, uh, that sort of thing. Is is that the silver lining that you guys have sort of uh, clung to over the last uh, several days and now uh, what will probably be weeks going forward? We actually, we have a daily staff meeting using using this lovely Zoom. Uh, and uh, yesterday talking about sort of our schedule, we have a schedule for the whole month of April now for the content we're going to do. And we'd like to make it even bigger without creating fatigue uh, with our with our followers and our friends and our, our members, our would-be visitors. Uh, but we, we had the conversation. So when normal comes back, something passing for normal comes back, uh, we don't really want to stop doing this. We, we're, we're getting good at it. We're getting incredible responses. Uh, our director of development, Maria, I think you know Maria, uh, Jack, I was looking at sort of the metrics, uh, and we had almost three times uh, the, the the reaches across our platforms uh, in the month, just the, the back half of March, as we usually get. So that this is resonating, and I think I know, I know, and you know that part of this is because people are stuck at home, and so there's there's a mass and sort of captive audience for this kind of programming. But it also seems that we, this is a great opportunity for us to reach into places that can't come to the museum anyway, whether that's geographical distance or socioeconomic factors. Uh, this will really enable us. I hope to continue to, to achieve great outreach with people from across the state, country, and world who are interested in, in history and want to engage with us. You mentioned the the planning aspect of, of, of things a little bit uh, a few minutes ago. When you, as you guys are sort of planning, obviously you said you've you've sort of figured out April, you know what April is going to look like. How far out are you guys planning and, and how are you approaching that sort of on an internal basis? Are you looking for, you know, particular, uh, particular things or are you trying to... Uh, you know, say sort of, we'll plan to this date. And then when we get to another date, we will sort of plan beyond that date. Right. I mean, I think that's the smart thing. Everything changes so fast. And we couldn't have imagined two weeks ago uh, what what this world was going to look like. So we're, we're hoping that this curve will flatten and in two weeks we'll, we'll maybe be getting out of the worst of it. Mm -hmm. But who knows when that means resuming life as we knew it. 
so we've got our April mapped out, uh, pretty much assuming that this is going to continue through through this whole month that we're in. Uh, and for May, June, and beyond, we basically just have a data dump, uh, a, a list of possible names, speakers, topics. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. One thing we learned during the buildup uh, to mid-March was all the best laid plans, right? We kept making these plans for 50%, 75%. Uh, and we're just trying to be nimble and flexible and adaptable like everybody else is. And I think the best strategy is, you know, plan for the long term, but but also know you're probably going to have to fall back on on day by day and step by step incrementally. Uh, so one of the questions that we've we've gotten a lot on social media is, and of course, um, any agency, any museum, any church, um, there are financial implications to uh, this situation that we're now uh, living. Um, what are the sort of financial pressures that that you guys uh, may or may not face over the next, say, thirty to sixty days? And what's sort of the the approach to uh, contend with them? I think they're as severe for us as they are for everybody else. Uh, there's there's no revenue coming in, uh, and so we're we're a small museum. We're a non for profit 501c3. We depend on visitation uh, and memberships and donations. Uh, so I think the Seward House is hurting like everybody else. We appreciate. Uh, support that has come in for us, people are renewing their memberships, even though they're not coming in and we're looking for new ways to engage these members. So, I mean, we're, we're sort of hoping uh, for the best in the future, uh, encouraging people to continue to engage with us and, and, and donate and help where they can. Uh, and our executive director has spent a lot of her time working from home, parsing out what the new legislation is going to mean for nonprofits, working closely with, with a great board of uh, uh, directors and trustees that we have. Uh, and and the uh, the accountants who who think we're going to be able to hopefully uh, benefit from the legislation and and see help coming from the government. Is there? I was going to say, is there hope that there will be sort of some a combination maybe of legislative effort and, and sort of community outreach that does allow uh, museums like the the Seward House to you know if this is going to last two or three months, as some have, have possibly suggested, that it won't mean that what you guys do afterward will cease or that the organization won't be able to continue on. Because obviously what you guys are doing um, is oftentimes thankless. And, and clearly it takes a lot of work and effort and financial resources to make uh, even a nonprofit uh, run. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, we've definitely seen an outpouring of support, people who are tuning in. We had, we've got almost 3,000 people who watched uh, our first live stream. And, and, and have been generous with us, even though they themselves are facing anxiety. I haven't been to Auburn in a week and a half, and I really, I miss seeing the city and the community and our volunteers and everybody else. But I know they're thinking about us because they're emailing our support. We actually, we've got about 50 wonderful volunteers and the staff is taking turns every two weeks calling and checking in. We're, we're going to be checking in with members. I feel very fortunate to have, uh, have the organization behind me. It's a great museum with great leadership, great board and community support and, and foundational help. Uh, and also I'm grateful that there are people who are much smarter than me with numbers and finance and accounting who are, I'm the education guy. So I, I, I know what I know. Uh, and I'm, if you're interested in having that kind of conversation, I know Maria or Billy would be able to probably answer those questions a little bit better. Yeah. And, and you know, when you, on the marketing side, I think to myself, this is the, the unique opportunity right now is to maybe get in front of uh, some eyes and, and get next to some ears that maybe hadn't been tuned in before. Um, how do you how do you describe the Seward House in sort of what's the the elevator pitch to what you guys are for those who maybe don't have any idea what what it is you guys are, why you're there, or or what the sort of role is that you fill um, yeah. in in the history of Auburn. <laughs> that's a that's a tough elevator pitch, right? Because that's a mouthful <laughs> of a question. Yeah. Um, 
so our, our tagline is we're one house and we're many stories. Uh, we're, we're relevant. I had an email yesterday from a young lady who was interested in interning with us uh, and she'd come out for the fall and sort of did a, a tour and didn't say who she was and had a, one of our volunteer docents. And so I was so amazed that as we went through room by room, I learned about stories uh, of women, uh, children. It wasn't just sort of this great man of history and let's praise him kind of a place. Now it's a special museum. Mm -hmm. It's 204 years old. 99.9% uh, .9 of the stuff inside is original and authentic. It's got an integrity of collection that makes history come to life, a backdrop like none other. And the Seward legacy is, is vital and alive today. We do talk about William Henry Seward in public life for about half a century as a man who of course bought Alaska, friends with Lincoln and helps his country weather the storm of civil war. Or friends of Harriet Tubman, the house was a stop on the Underground Railroad. We've got a, a great new exhibit that opened last year on their relationship. He and his family are, are key to her decision to come and, and make a home in Central New York for the, the latter half of her life. Uh, he's uh, everywhere, every debate of the 19th century that, that spill over into our own times on immigration, on gender equality, on social justice. These aren't new conversations. Some of the, some of the themes have changed, and surprisingly, some haven't. Uh, and Seward is, and his family are a lens for us to continue to have these conversations with who we are as a country, what our values are, how, how we problem solve. I think mean, when I had my lecture today, I'd like to draw some parallels to uh, the early Civil War years when, when life as, as people knew it was completely uh, upset. Uh, uh, it was thrown off kilter and, and, and nothing was ever the same again. Uh, and the sort of leadership model of, of Lincoln and his team of rivals with Seward, uh, there, are, there are parallels there. So it's, it's, it's not just some place where, where the, the past is a foreign country and how quaint was it, uh, but, but also a place of, of, of um, I think, utility for today. In, when you look at sort of the history side of it, is, do you ever worry that given that it seems right now a lot of the conversation is focused around uh, uh, do you worry at all that the, the history, those awesome stories that you were just talking about, that they maybe start to potentially get lost um, when recovery starts to happen? When How do you contend with that? And, and do you have those concerns? The people interested or who were previously interested in you know this side of, of local history maybe maybe won't all be there when when we come back out of this. Well, I hope that's not true. Um, so that, that's, those are all really great questions. Um, the, 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 the simple answer is I think all of us are going to be so eager to go out of our homes and see the world again and travel, we're, we're hoping that we'll see a deluge of visitors when normal returns because everybody who's, who's been cooped up for, for weeks or months is gonna wanna go out. And uh, we've got beautiful gardens and these great stories. Um, so I hope people will travel and they're gonna wanna embrace normal again and, and, and take not take it for granted. I think maybe that's the key takeaway here is maybe we as a society, we're, society, we're a little complacent. Oh, we've got these great museums. We, we live in this beautiful Finger Lakes country inside the Finger Lakes studio. And, and and you sort of just come to think of it as, as, a, as a right you're entitled to. Uh, and now we know it isn't. Uh, and if we want to continue to enjoy all the benefits of living in a beautiful place with rich history, uh, we have to support it. I mean, I'm, I am financially worried working at a nonprofit, but I still renewed my membership to the Erie Canal Museum yesterday because we have to support places. And I've been heartened to see our membership renewal still coming in. And I know Auburn and I know Central New York really values its history. Auburn is known as history's hometown. We're not just the, the, the home of the Seward House. 
the Tubman House, the Schweinfurt Art Museum, Willard Chapel, the Ward O'Hare Agricultural Museum, the Cuvier Museum of History and Art. There's so much that brings Auburn together, and I know the community will be there for us uh, when when we open our doors back. And I hope on that first day, we'll have every tour sold out. Absolutely. I, I, I'm right there with you. Um, so what do you guys have coming up? My last question for you. Uh, <laughs> let's just encapsulate sort of what you guys have coming up in the next two weeks that folks can uh, mm. uh, engage with, whether that's on Facebook or, or any other platform that you're running on. I'm glad you asked about two weeks. I was afraid you were going to ask about our programming schedule because that is very much in flux. <laughs> we had a great and robust programming schedule for the spring and we'll hopefully have something like that for the summer. Um, <clears throat> but for the next two weeks anyway, uh, we've got today's lecture coming up uh, and it's going to be me talking about Lincoln and Seward, their relationship from start to finish, from rivals to, to friends. Uh, I, I actually don't know. I, I was going to sort of plug to Facebook today a list of topics and hopefully get some participatory democracy. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you want to hear more about? Because the, the topics are endless. We really are one house, many stories. We could shoot off in, in any number of directions. I'm not worried about running out of material. That's for sure. Uh, and I know Zach wants to get in on this and we both have different interests. We're both historians uh, who, who got our, our graduate degrees uh, in Rochester. I went to U of R and Zach went to Brockport. So we're really excited to be able to have this time uh, to write and to work, uh, uh, some, some reflection time. So I think we're going to be tapping into as many of these stories as we can uh, and, and hopefully producing uh, some great online content. And anybody who wants to learn more about it, you can like us on Facebook. You can give us your email on our webpage, stewardhouse.org, uh, and you'll get our weekly e-blast and learn more information about how you can, uh, can, can join in these conversations. But they are conversations because they're live. So there's give and take. We're responding uh, to the minute with your comments and questions. Uh, and when we do open, the sort of the bigger, longer term thing that I can promise you is we've got a great, exciting exhibit that was very nearly finished uh, when we had to shut our doors. And it's called The Vote. It's a double exhibit looking at the centennial of the 19th Amendment, uh, women's suffrage. Uh, and we've got some really cool stuff. Uh, and Frances Seward, who's a great part of our story too, William Seward's wife. And she originally grew up at the house on 33 South Street in Auburn, which is the Seward House Museum today. We tell her story as someone who's a bit of an unsung hero in the history of the women's rights movement. And then uh, anybody who can or wants to uh, either donate to you guys, become a member, where could they go to do that to support you guys on the financial side? We would certainly appreciate that. Uh, you can go. To, you can do it right off our website, uh, stewarthouse.org. I mean, but you can also do it very easily. It's, Facebook makes it so easy. I give on Facebook all the time. You can get our webpage, stewarthouse.org. Uh, top uh, center of the screen, there's just a big button that says donate. There's also one uh, uh, right next to that for membership, how you can join. Uh, we'd, we'd certainly appreciate that support. And if you're tuning in to watch us live stream, uh, it's very easy to just click the donate button on Facebook. Thanks for listening or watching. Inside the FLX is a production of FingerLakesOne.com Digital Media. It's presented by FL1 News and hosted by me, Josh Durso. New episodes are released on demand each week on FingerLakesOne.com or the FingerLakesOne.com app. You can also catch episodes anywhere you find podcasts. If you have an idea for an episode or question you'd like answered on the show, visit InsideTheFLX.com to submit it. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.